0: Dr. Michael Yusuf sharing the importance
1: of today's Leading the Way. Listen, preaching about the grace of giving, as far as the Word of God is concerned, is just as important as preaching on prayer, as preaching on righteousness, as preaching on sin, as preaching on evangelism. In fact, you've heard me say many times that Jesus spoke more about the subject of money and material possession than any other subject. This is a sacred subject. This is a holy subject.
0: Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor and author of the recent best-selling book Is the End Near? Dr. Michael Yusuf. You know as well as I do that the topic of giving often triggers eye rolls. But let me encourage you. Listen intently to this message because when you focus on God's perspective on giving rather than man's, it's life-changing. A little later, I'll let you know how you can get in touch with the Leading the Way team. But right now, straight from God's Word, a message called Grace Giving
1: from Dr. Michael Youssef. There is not a parent who is under the sound of my voice, right here on radio, whatever, who would not testify to the danger of giving their children everything and never expect any form of gratitude, any form of thankfulness from their children. You would agree, right? (laughs) Parents who will never train their children in developing the attitude of gratitude are going to raise up small brats. I know, might as well put it bluntly, right? (laughs) Parents who never teach their children how to express thankfulness To their parents and to God for the blessings that they are receiving every day. They will end up being monsters as adults. Parents who never impart the spirit of thankfulness to their children. They're going to end up with children who are discontented and unhappy. Who will grow up to be adults who are discontented and unhappy. That's a fact. Ah, but the same is with God's children. <laughs> it works the same way. With God's children, works exactly the same. If we take and take and take and take from the grace of God and never in a tangible way express our thankfulness to Him, then we, spiritually speaking, are going to be spoiled brats. Now listen, this is not even just a scripture, That's a scripture be everything, or even my idea. Let me tell you how modern science is even coming to that conclusion. Social scientists are coming to the conclusion that this is the best thing for humanity. Listen to what Dr. Carl Menninger, the great psychiatrist, said. I quote, he said, money giving is a good criterion for a person's mental health. I did not say that, Dr. Menninger did. In fact, he said, generous people, he continued, are rarely mentally ill people. I want to say amen to that. <laughs> now, let me be upfront with you. This is not a popular subject. I know that. And I dare say that many of you are going to love this message. You know why? I know. There are the most generous people on the face of the earth in this congregation. I'm not flattering you. That's a fact. And I rejoice in that. But I can honestly tell you that some of you (laughs) are not going to be able to wait for the message to be over. Now, those of you hilarious givers are going to shout throughout this message. You're going to shout amen all the time. But the tight wads... Oh, man, you're going to mutter under your breath. I should have stayed home today. (laughs) I can hear you already. (laughs) Listen, preaching about the grace of giving as far as the Word of God is concerned, is just as important as preaching on prayer, as preaching on righteousness, as preaching on sin, as preaching on evangelism. In fact, you've heard me say many times that Jesus spoke more about the subject of money and material possession than any other subject. This is a sacred subject. This is a holy subject. Jesus said, Where your money is, there is your heart also. He did not say, look, where is your talk? That's your treasure. He did not say, where is your singing? There is your heart. He did not say where your teaching is or where your preaching is. There's your heart. He didn't say that. He didn't say where your activities are. There you'll find your heart. He did not say that at all. He said where your money is, there is your heart also. Now some of you are going to discover where your heart is today. You've been wondering all this time. And I have prayed all night for the Holy Spirit to do some heart transplant surgery today that you will find your heart. The Apostle Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church. It was a prosperous church. This church claimed to have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This church was bragging about their knowledge. This church was so proud of their biblical sophistication that they would not even want to listen to the Apostle Paul. They were boasting of how spiritual they are. Well, (laughs) the Apostle Paul was taking pledges for the work of the kingdom in Jerusalem. And he went to all the churches that he had planted, and he said, Look, he said... "Uh, I am asking for pledges to help in the work of God in Jerusalem. Well, guess what? The Corinthians returned the largest pledge card of all the other churches. Well, they said, that's befitting. Now, I'm telling you, this is kind of a rough translation, but you know what I mean. That's exactly what was going on. It's just in, I'm putting it in, in the vernacular, as it were. <laughs> ah. But when the time came to collect on the pledges, (laughs) they weren't giving. They weren't anywhere to be seen. They were quiet. Paul was not hearing from them. He said, what is going on here? You see, finally he writes to them. And again, this is a rough translation. He's saying, look, anyone can talk a big talk. Anyone can uh, try to impress people of how spiritual they are. But your pocketbook speaks louder than your words that's exactly what he's saying. So, the Apostle Paul gently begins to teach them what? He's teaching them about grace giving. Not legalism. He is teaching them about grace giving. Here in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is saying this. Listen carefully, please. He is saying to them, those of you who have received the grace of God freely and without charge, you must be able to dispense the grace of God to others. I think the Apostle Paul is teaching them something very significant, and is teaching us something very important. It's very important, Dad. Don't miss it. Paul is teaching them that grace giving is not the same as duty. That you feel, well, I've got to do this, you know, just as such. A, I've got to get this out of. my... I mean, I know I've got to do. It is not even the satisfaction that you get out of giving. No. what is he saying? He's saying that it is an absolute privilege. It is an honor for anyone to be co-worker with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be co-laborer, to be partner with Jesus in the best, in the work of the kingdom. That's what he's saying. The one who created all the billions in the world, the one who created all the gold in the world, the one who created all the silver in the world, he's saying, I want you to be my partner. Amen. I'm going to do all of the work. I just want you to be my partner. That's what Paul is saying here. This is a privilege and honor for us to give in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace giving, not legalism. So in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul deals extensively with what it means to practice grace giving. Turn with me, please, if you haven't already, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Three things. Number one, he is saying that grace-giving is God-honoring. Look at verse 2. Number two, he's saying grace-giving gets God's blessings. Verse 5. Thirdly, he's saying grace-giving is God's model. Grace-giving is God-honoring. How can grace-giving honor God? Well, listen, look at the verse. Here's what he said, verse 2. Out of the most severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up richer generosity. He <laughs> said, so wait a minute. <laughs> this is an unlikely formula. Forgiving, I mean, you got severe trials, you got an overflowing joy, okay, we'll understand that, but then you got extreme poverty. This is the most unlikely formula for giving. I agree with you. I do agree. <sighs> we don't know, of course, much about these trials or the trials that they're going through, the Macedonians, But all we know, the word severe there, it doesn't mean just a tiny little problem. It means a horrendous trial. They're going through a tough time. When everything is going well in your life, and you give God the crumbs, you're really not honoring God. You're not honoring God. But when everything is blowing up at your face, And you give to God sacrificially, you are absolutely honoring God, and God promised he will never forget that. That's what it says. Listen, I know the normal human reaction. and The normal human reaction, when we are facing trials in life, when we're facing difficulties in life... We say, oh man, I've got enough problem of my own. I just don't have time to think about somebody else's problem. My plate is full. I have more than I can, I've got more than enough of my fair share. I cannot help anybody right now. That's a normal human reaction. But we're not called to live in the normal human reactions, right? And people use these things as an excuse not to do anything. Now, I have some news for you in case you haven't heard them before. The news are these. Problems, we all have them. Every one of us. They said, oh yeah, but my problem more than his and more than hers. Let me tell you something. You don't know what his or her problems are. And you're making a terrible mistake when you think you're the only one who's got problems. (laughs) Problems is part of being in the human race. Problems are part of living. Got problems? Sure. Welcome to the human race. We all have problems. (laughs) But that's not the attitude of those who have received the grace of God. That is not the attitude who have freely received from His hand salvation, eternal life. That is not the attitude of those who know the Lord Jesus. And that's not the attitude of those who are recipient of the grace of God, that awesome grace. In fact, it is because of that grace that we have received so freely from His hand. It is because of, the, of this grace. It makes us more sympathetic with other people when they are going through trials. It is because of that grace that our trials make us more sensitive toward others. Our trials make us more understanding of the trials of others. Our trials give us the ability to minister to others with compassion. That's the difference of what the grace of God does. And that is why the Apostle Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians that out of their most severe trials, they're overflowing joy. <laughs> what have they got to be joyful about? <laughs> what have they got to be joyful about when they got to, they're in the midst of severe trials? Well, they had the Joy in the fact that God's grace found them. And beloved, I want to tell you, that's enough. That's enough to make you joyful until you close your eyes in death. They had joy in the fact that they had been bought with the price of the blood of the Lamb. That they have been brought by Him out of darkness and direction that's going to hell, into light that is taking them to heaven. They were so joyful that they are on their way to spend eternity in heaven. And that is why they had overjoyed in their giving. Please hear me right. If giving to the Lord is a burden to you, like paying taxes is a burden, you are missing out on the overflowing joy that comes from being a hilarious giver. If you only give so that you can fulfill some social obligation, you are missing out on the joy of what it means to be a hilarious giver. If you give to causes that you know that you and your family are going to benefit from, you are missing out on the joy that comes out of knowing that you are a hilarious giver. And Paul is saying the Macedonians gave in the midst of their trials, but they also gave out of their extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. Poverty that you and I will never know. All their giving must have been truly sacrificial. Oh, they must have done away with things. They must have done away with food. They must have done away with necessities of life in order to give sacrificially. Their giving was not just the crumbs or what they did not want or what they did not need. Their giving was not just a tip. No, that was a sacrificial giving. And that's what a large gift is all about. That's what the large gift is all about. A large gift has nothing to do with the size of the gift. It has everything to do with the sacrificial element in the gift. Grace giving is honoring to God. Grace giving gets God's blessing. Look at verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave of themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. If you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, and you're a philanthropist and all that, that's fine. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to discourage you. But only when you give your life to Jesus Christ will you understand what it means to give grace-giving. Because grace-receiving produces grace-giving. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I beg you today, commit your life to Him. You may have been into churchianity, you may have been into religion, but you really have never received the grace of God. Say, today, God, give me that grace so that I may turn my life over to you. Because what does it mean to be a Christian? Now, have book's written on that, and I'm not going to give you a, a treatise on it. I'm going to tell you very simply, in the simplest of terms, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you have given your life over to Christ. That you have admitted you can't save yourself, you cannot forgive yourself, and you needed him to forgive you and save you. It is surrendering of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. What it means to be a Christian. It means that you now being assured of eternal future. Simply put, it means that you have taken the most precious possession that you have, your soul, and gave it to him, entrusted him with it. Believing that He is going to take care of you. Now here's the sad part. That literally brings me to tears. Listen to me carefully, please. The sad part is this. That there are some who are willing to commit their lives to Christ. Their most treasured possession. But not their money. Could it be that they prize money above their own souls? Can it be? Think about it. Can it be possible... (sighs) that the reason they are not trusting God with their giving is because they've never been saved. Paul said they first gave themselves to the Lord, then everything else became just that, what? Things. Things. That's it. Grace-giving is God honoring. Grace-giving gets God's blessings. And thirdly, grace-giving is God's model. Look at verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Listen, the giving of the Macedonian was unbelievable. It was incredible. The giving of the Macedonian was sacrificial. But you know what? It is nothing in comparison to what God gave. Nothing. Nothing. What he gave is incomprehensible. So what is the Apostle Paul saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying before the incarnation, when the Lord Jesus Christ was in the presence of God the Father, he owned everything that the Godhead had owned. That's all of the galaxies, including that tiny little planet called Earth, with all of its gold, with all of its silver, with all of its diamond, with all of its stocks and bonds. He owned it all, and yet he laid it aside and became poor, bled to death on a cruel cross. Why? Paul said, for your salvation, for my salvation. Never in the entire history of the universe did anyone abandon so much in order to become so poor so that so many can become rich in grace. Our greatest model for giving is the cross of Christ. With this, I'm going to conclude. Frances Havergal, who wrote this song, Take My Life and Let It Be, consecrated, Lord, for Thee. She was a believer. She loved the Lord. People were singing that song for several years. they have been blessed by it. Oh, I'll take my life and let it be, Lord, consecrated. But there was a joy in her life that was missing. And the Holy Spirit of God was pointing his finger at a very exquisite, very valuable jewelry collection in her possession. This not only was expensive, and it not only had incredible value, but it became, to Francis, an idol. And the Holy Spirit kept saying, I can't use you until you take that idol off your life. Finally, she submitted to the voice of God and to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. She opened her box and she took one piece that has family history and family connection that she wanted to pass it on. And then she wrapped the entire magnificent jewelry box and she walked it down to the headquarters of CMS. That's the Anglican Church Missionary Society in London. At that time, the CMS Church Missionary Society took the gospel to the uttermost parts of Africa and Asia. And the reason today we have the most committed and the most lively, biblically sound Anglican churches in Africa and Asia is because of the work of CMS. And, and God laid that on her heart. Give it to the lost. Give it to the preaching of the gospel. And she said, I've never had greater joy than when I packed that box and handed it over to the officials of CMS. Now she was able to write the last stanza. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. I'm going to ask you a question only you can answer. What are you withholding from God? What idol are you keeping? When His finger and Holy Spirit is bringing you under conviction again and again. What is it?
0: Dr. Michael Yusuf, with something to evaluate regarding your life. What are you withholding from God? Reach out to Dr. Yusuf and the Leading the Way team at ltw.org and one 300
2: I was born into a religious Muslim family. As a child, i wanted to leave the muslim faith because the rituals felt so empty i i felt like a puppet when i was older i became an electrical technician i worked near a merchant who taught me about the christian faith and gave me a bible i also began watching the kingdom sat and talking to their representatives about the gospel of christ from this and reading the bible The Gospel was clear and I decided to follow Christ. I have a daughter who needed to go to the hospital for a lung deficiency. Due to my Christian faith, my family and friends all abandoned me. But representatives from the kingdom sat comforted me. They even came to the hospital and helped me with the medicine and medical supplies. Please pray for my daughter. She has a long road to recovery. I'm thankful for the Kingdom Sat and for all they have done for us. I advise every new believer like me to follow the Kingdom Sat for its programs, companionship and lessons. You learn about the eternal life in Christianity and how the Christian life is different. I'm complete because I'm with Christ. I want to thank everyone who is in the Kingdom Sat and everyone who supports it because I consider the show to be a great achievement for the Christian faith. Thank you, Michael Youssef, from the bottom of my heart for the efforts that you are doing for the success of the Kingdom Sat channel. To learn more of how Leading the Way is reaching out
0: around the world with the Gospel, call one 133 589 or visit ltw.org. And you can also write to us at Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751. Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Well, that's just about it for today. But I hope you'll note the time and make plans to join Dr. Yusuf for more Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Connect via television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and all of the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org.